Hello, interested in Freemasonry? Want to find out more? Then stay tuned in with Matt and Andy, who'll be discussing everything Freemasonry with guest speakers who delve into their own journey through the craft. Grab a beverage, pop your earbuds in, sit back and relax. Welcome to the Oxfordshire Light Blues Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of the Oxfordshire Light Blues Podcast. I'm joined as ever with my co-host Andy. Andy, how are you doing? I'm very well today, thanks Matt. Um, Been busy, uh, but... uh how about you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, it's a lovely, uh, lovely Sunday morning uh, out here at Cardinal House. Um, and I'm very excited uh, this morning because we're joined with uh, the Provincial Grand Secretary, Bernie w- Vegerhoff. Um, Bernie, how are you getting on? Fine, thank you very much, both of you. And uh, thanks for A, inviting me and B, uh, making sure that we could do this on a Sunday so <laughs> I could actually be here. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's fantastic. No, thanks. Thanks for coming along. What we tend to do really is uh, talk about people's uh, journey through Freemasonry. So if you could just let us know sort of how and when you heard about Freemasonry and how you be- uh, became uh, a joining member of Freemasonry. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, when I was working in Banbury, I worked round the corner from the Masonic Hall in Marlborough Road. So I was aware that there were Masons there. Uh, I was, of course, very young then. Uh, Later on, I became a governor of our children's primary school. And I knew that two other governors were Freemasons because they had openly talked about it. So I approached one of them, uh, basically because I wanted to carry on some work in the community beyond what I was doing as a governor. Little did I know that I was going to stay a governor for somewhere in excess of 25 years. (laughs) Um, But that's another story. So I asked them, I got some information, and then I eventually was initiated in, I think it's 1994. Okay. So that's where the journey began. Okay, fantastic. Sorry, Matt, you go. Uh, Well, I was just going to ask, so which lodge was it that you were initiated into? Uh, I was initiated into Rathcreden Lodge in in Banbury in 1994. Uh, Rathcreden is a summer lodge, so it's unusual in in that respect. Could you uh, just explain a bit about what a a summer lodge is, just for some of the listeners who might not know? Yep. Um, A summer lodge is a lodge that, generally speaking, meets from April to September. Normally, the winter lodges, if you like, start meeting in September, October time. So we, and then finish in April. And we f- start in April and we finish in September. So when, when you became uh, a member of um, Rackreed and Lodge, your journey obviously was, was through the offices. To become obviously a provincial officer, you have to go through the offices of your craft lodge. Um, what was your favorite um, craft office whilst you were going through? Yeah, that's... Um, actually a very good but very difficult question to answer (laughs) because I actually enjoyed every office that I did. I think the one that sticks out above all the others is probably the work of the deacons because you get quite close, pre-COVID close, to, um, to the candidate. And if you are really fortunate enough, 
you actually have the same candidate for at least two ceremonies. And I think that sort of, there is a little bond that forms between you and that candidate. And so that's why I enjoy the, enjoyed those uh, more than uh, probably some of the others. Brilliant. Yeah, it's quite a, um, quite a physical role as well, isn't it? Uh, a junior deacon, because a lot of walking involved, not, not that many people would know uh, much about the ritual, but there, there is definitely a lot of walking involved. There is a bit of walking involved, <laughs> yes. And um, how, how uh, quickly did you uh, go through those offices and, and when, when did you go into the chair? I went in the chair in 2004. So I think I did every office uh, for at least a year. And I also was assistant secretary before I actually joined the ladder. Wow. So, yeah, you've got quite a lot of experience and quite a lot of experience in the different offices. Yeah, you could you could say, that. yes. <laughs> Obviously, after you've been in the chair, um, you will probably then be looked upon to do certain other parts of uh, uh, your lodge work. So th different offices such as either treasurer, secretary, charity steward, that sort of stuff. Is it, is it something that you went into after the chair? I did a little bit as chaplain, uh, but only for a couple of years um, because I was then made an assistant DC in, in the province. Right. So that sort of curtailed my, uh, my work in the, in, in the, in the summer lodge. And I also joined another lodge where I, two years after joining was made the, the worship of master. Mm -hmm. So, um, I perhaps haven't done that much in my mother lodge after I, uh, was the worshipful master, but I've certainly done it in 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 other lodges. But I, I imagine if you're getting uh, sort of in in the provinces, provincial DC is it provincial DC? Did you say or assistant ADC? ADC assistant DC. Um, yeah, that's that's quite a busy role in itself. So you probably wouldn't have much time doing yes. much else. It, is, it, is, <laughs> yeah. it, can, it can be quite it can be quite busy. It's it's a great job. Uh, it can be quite busy, and of course you're doing this on top of your normal job. Uh, that pays all the bills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're certainly getting at, get out and about in the province as a as a DC or assistant DC. Yes, absolutely. So when you became a DC, uh, assistant director of ceremonies in the province, was that where you stayed for a while, or did you progress through the province in a certain way? Uh, I did ADC, provincial assistant grand director of ceremonies, to, to give it its proper title um, for three years, and then I was made deputy. And after that, I then, if you like, crossed the floor from the south to the north side of the of the temple and became assistant secretary. Wow. Okay. It's been quite quite a commitment, I suppose, uh, to those roles. Yeah, there is quite a time commitment, I suppose. But I think if you enjoy some doing something, then the time that you spend doing it uh, fades into not quite insignificance, but but becomes less relevant. Uh, maybe it doesn't to my wife, but uh, <laughs> it, it certainly does to me. And you, you mentioned that you, you crossed the floor and, and now you're obviously uh, Provincial Grand Secretary. What does that role entail? Could you give the audience a bit of a 
indication to your workload and what's going on? Yeah, that's not an easy question to answer. I mean, basically, I am, I suppose, the administrative hub of the province. So any questions from anywhere first come to me. UGLE, United Grand Lodge of England, where the administration is is, is done, um, if they have a question for a specific lodge, they direct that question to me, not to the lodge. I then have to ask the lodge and then have to report back. Now, that's a very complicated Mm. way of doing business, but that's the way they want to do it. The other thing, of course, is I have to make sure that all our lodges follow the Book of Constitution, that that every lodge summons is correct. On top of that, arrange visits from the executive and the other active provincial officers to individual lodges and do the same if our provincial grandmaster or his deputy or his assistant want to visit another lodge or a provincial meeting in another province. It it takes a little bit of time. Yeah, it certainly sounds like you're busy. Uh, Yes, I probably spend the best part of, on average, half a day in my office. Wow. Is that that week? I mean, half a day a day. Oh, wow. On average, so, I would so, so it's, a, it's a it's a part time job then, basically. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes. I mean, we need to look at at this uh, bigger provinces, and I have some friends that used to be provincial grand secretaries in 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 other provinces. Um, they have a staff of maybe even three or four people that work part time and an assistant secretary that works with them and uh, we do it between the two of us um, basically from home because we don't mm. have an actual office well that, that sort of um, my, my next question was going to be around how similar is the provincial secretary's role to a lodge secretary's role but by the sounds of it it's amplified it, it is amplified because basically it's yeah. uh, it's it's um, 54 lodges that that I am supposedly looking after. Mm. But it's good fun because the vast majority of the secretaries that are doing the work are A, volunteers, and they all want to do the best job they possibly can. And by and large, they actually achieve that really, really well, bearing in mind that they are volunteers. So they do other jobs in in their real life, if you like rather than in what you might describe as a hobby, because that's what Freemasonry after all is. And uh, I guess so you've um, got a lot of experience being a provincial grand secretary. What sort of advice would you give to anyone who's maybe new to the office of secretary in their lodge or is thinking of, of maybe trying to aspire to be a lodge secretary at some point in their mm. Masonic career? Very, very good question. Uh, and and thank you for giving me a little bit of advance notice on that <laughs> one, because it's one that I had to really think about it a little bit. Uh, the best thing 
anybody that would like to be a secretary can do is actually talk to the current secretary and perhaps ask him to become his assistant. That way you get a feeling for what is going on. You, you get to know the, the routine, if you like. There will always be the exceptions, but you get to know the routine and that's half the battle. Uh, the other thing I would say is don't be afraid to ask questions. For current secretaries, I would say the same thing. Don't be afraid to ask the questions because after all, I as provincial grand secretary, I'm actually here to help. And if the question is asked before something is done wrong, it's much, much easier than correcting a problem that has occurred because something has, something has gone wrong. And I'm quite sure that that is the same attitude that you would get from every other provincial grand secretary. At least that's what I hope they would do. Sounds like a very good uh, measured approach to it all. And um, I think, uh, yeah, hopefully that, that's, that is the same nationally. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, yes. it's a great yeah. approach. And, and I think it's worth pointing out, I guess, for people who are either not familiar with the role of secretary or, uh, you know, very new to Freemasonry, that the secretary actually does an awful lot in the lodge. It's it's really the running the, the, the lodge, essentially. Although we have the Worshipful Master, you know, they're, they're really the, the almost figurehead of the lodge, but actually the secretary does the vast majority of the, the organisation. Yes, and, and, a, and a lot of it you don't see until it goes wrong and then it becomes very obvious but the vast majority of secretaries are doing a brilliant job fantastic i've got a quick question about your um, role as provincial grand secretary i've got a couple of questions what's your most favorite part of being provincial grand secretary and what's your least favorite part Probably my favorite part is being able to go out and, and, and visit. Uh, the least favorite part, difficult, very, very difficult question. It's probably the fact that I am not able to do as much ritual work and support my own lodgers as much as I might want to do because of, of the time commitment. Mm. Uh, I mean, I'm a member of two lodges in Banbury and I don't go to every meeting. I have a lodge in London. I can't go to every meeting simply because it clashes with others but I would love to do more of that and perhaps even do a little bit of ritual. Right. Which okay. I don't get the chance to. Yeah. So that, that'll be something that will come in time, I'm sure, because the, the, the office that you hold, is it a certain amount of time that you can hold it for? I don't think there is any particular time. Yeah. Uh, if I really upset the provincial grand master, <laughs> I am probably replaced tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I guess it's po probably one of those offices where the, the challenge really is finding the successor and somebody who's who's willing to take on the amount of work involved. Yes, yes it is. And it is. And basically you start looking for your successor the, the day you, you take the office. 
You mentioned that you were part of other uh, other, other lodges uh, around Oxfordshire province and also outside of Oxfordshire province. Yes. What what are those lodges called? Uh, where are they based? I am, I'm a member of a lodge in in London, which is called Pilgrim Lodge, which actually does a German ritual, mm-hmm. um, which is a very very old ritual, and they are allowed as an exception under United Grand Lodge of England rules to perform that ritual in German rather than in English. Now, some of it is done in English because it's much, much easier for the visitors to understand <laughs> what is going on, uh, but a lot of it is in German. That's interesting. I didn't know that there was a lodge that did yeah, ritual I, in German. Yeah, I didn't realise there were lodges in, in England that yeah. did yes, ritual in other yeah. languages. There are one, there are, there are not that many, but there are a few. Talking about Germany, um, obviously you, you're from Germany. Uh, what is, uh, how is Freemasonry uh, established in Germany? Are you aware of how it's established over there? Um, I know that there is Freemasonry in Germany. It is differently organized to us here. There is a United Grand Lodge of Germany. There are also some British lodges over there that are operate under, I think, UGLE. Uh, I have not managed to actually visit the lodge in my mother town, uh, but they are run more in the in a in the club fashion, uh, and the worshipful master is not replaced every year. Oh, okay. He tends to stay in place for a number of years. Interesting. And you mentioned other other lodges that you're a member of. Um, are you a member of any uh, progressive orders? You've been talking to my wife, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am a member of a number of other orders. <laughs> uh, good question. Of course, I'm a member of the Royal Arch or chapter. Uh, I have joined Rose Choir. I've joined the Knights Templars. I'm a member of the Order of the Secret Monitor. I'm a member of Scarlet Cord. I'm a member of Mark. I'm a member of Royal Arc Mariners and of the Royal Order of uh, Royal and Select. Wow, quite quite a few then. <laughs> uh, yes, and uh, let us please not talk about how many units I have in each of those, please. <laughs> <laughs> so is it fair to say that you are a professional Freemason? No. Okay. <laughs> no, there are people that are members of far, far more orders right. than, than that. <laughs> wow. Um, Just an enthusiast. Yes, I, yes, yeah. I am. And I, I enjoy, I enjoy those orders. And I'm sure you're going to say, do I think that that makes me a better Mason? No, it doesn't. It doesn't make me any better than anybody that has only joined one craft lodge because that's what they want to, wanted to do. And it just means that for me, it gives me more enjoyment. But if you get enjoyment enough out of one lodge, then great. Mm. There's nothing at all in my mind wrong with that. It's what you want to do. It's a bit, I suspect, like playing golf. You might be the member of more than one golf club. Uh, 
but it doesn't make you a better golfer. Mm. Being a member of five clubs, it gives you more options. Yeah, and, and I think you know the the one of the great things about the progressive orders or the other orders in Freemasonry is that it gives you something to do as your you know journey through your Masonic career kind of continues, and you know something to sustain some new interests or new new, new things to to learn. Um, but it's you know I think for a lot of people who are perhaps listening to this who are who are just in in a craft lodge and like blues it's you know it's um you don't have to join everything straight away or you know there's no rush to to join different things no absolutely absolutely not and take your time and the one thing that i found extremely useful and to be honest with you i'm not entirely sure whether this book is still available but it's called a book beyond the craft and it tells you about all the other side degrees, orders, progressive orders you mentioned that are out there. And it gives you an idea of what it's about. So you can make up your own mind, but also talk to your proposer and your seconder. They may well have their own favorite progressive order, but doesn't mean that you have to follow them mm. blindly if you like. Have a look at that book. And I certainly found it a very, very useful resource. Mm. I think that's a great, a great recommendation. And, you know, we're now in this sort of period where Freemasonry is starting to resume. Um, what are you most looking forward to as we kind of get back to a level of normality? It's renewing the friendships that over the years I have made and seeing those brethren and not just on a little screen in my office on, 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 on Zoom or whatever other platform they, they're using, but actually physically being able to talk to them and having some, some banter, if you like, as well. Uh, I mean, I'm luckily, I have Masonic friends basically from the north of Scotland down to the, to the tip of Cornwall and seeing all of them again that's what I'm really, really looking forward to. I think many people will share your view on that. And um, I think nearly everybody is really looking forward to that social interaction again. It's, yes. it's, it's what Freemasonry is about, really, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Socialising and making friends. Absolutely. And yep. it will no doubt be a little bit different because we have to sanitise our hands more and we might have to wear masks when we walk into the building and, and things like that. And we check the QR code when we arrive. Uh, but yes, ultimately, it'll be very, very similar to, to what we have had pre-COVID, I'm sure. Yeah, and, and I think that's one of the things a lot of people really like about Freemasonry is the the history and the fact that it's pretty much stayed very, very similar for hundreds of years that, you know, the ritual hasn't changed very much. And I think that's what's, got, you know, the real appeal of getting back to, to, to how things were so that we can, we can start practicing that. Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm quite sure also that our ritual for the first few meetings will be ever so slightly rusty yes. because uh, I 
don't suppose that um, very many have had their head in the little blue or red ritual books um, <laughs> over the last 18 months. <laughs> uh, they might tell you they have, but probably if they're honest, they probably haven't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, we'll have a sort of COVID variant of the ritual. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I've got one, one final question uh, for you. If uh, one, any of our listeners who are not uh, members of Freemasonry really want to join, what advice would you give to them uh, for them to uh, look, look at actually joining uh, a lodge? Okay. Okay. Uh, well, the first thing I would suggest is perhaps if they have internet access, go and look on the United Grand Lodge of, of England website. Look at our own provincial website. Um, they give you a lot of information, a lot of really, really good information. There is also a section where you can actually then on the UGLE website, and I'm sorry, I keep using UGLE, United Grand Lodge of England. Um, there's a section where you can actually ask a question which will then come to us in, in whatever province you are in. The other thing, if you actually know somebody who is a Mason, ask him, talk to him. Really, that's the best advice I can, I, I can give. Brilliant. Brilliant. I think it's also worthwhile um, attending a few functions. If you know somebody is to, you know, see if they've got anything going on, like a barbecue or they're, they're yep. doing a social function, get, getting involved that way is pre yes, pretty, that's how I did it. So yes. um, it's a really worthwhile uh, way, way to see if you like it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to see whether you can actually get on with the people that, mm. that, that are in, in that lodge. It, it, mm. I mean, it may not suit you uh, to join a lodge, for example, that meets on a Friday evening. But then there are the lodges in whatever center you, you may live in uh, that meet on other days. That might suit you better. Mm. Well, I, th I think that's been, you know, really insightful, Bernie. And um, thanks again for, for taking time out on your Sunday morning to, to record this with us. Um, do you have any final words you want to add? Or? Uh, for your light blues, I would say go out there visit as much as you can in the province and enjoy your masonry. And think, thank you for having me. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic way to end. Yeah. No, thanks for coming, Bernie. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Pleasure's all mine. Thank <laughs> you. See you all soon. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoyed this edition. If you did, please share and pass it on to your friends. Join Matt and Andy next time discussing all things Freemasonry here on the world-famous Oxfordshire Light Blues Podcast. Oxfordshire Light Blues Podcast.